Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We can say that. Tomorrow is Christmas and today is a good day. I'm so glad you guys are here. My name is Gavin Johnson. Church, this should be one of the highlights of our entire year. It is on this day that we celebrate that our God visited our planet to save us. Amen? Tonight is a celebration. Your faces don't look like it, but I'm trusting it's in your heart. Christmas is in your heart tell your heart to tell your face. We are here to celebrate. We're going to open God's word. We're going to remind our hearts of why we can be happy on this night. We're here to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Came into this world as a baby. There's a lot of babies in this world. Did you know that? Just today, 353,000 babies were born. Today, Uh, that's 255 babies every minute. That's 4.3 babies every second. I don't know about that third of a baby, but every second there's a third of a baby born. Um, By the end of the year in 2015, there will be 130 million babies born on this planet. Each one of those babies will be greeted with uh, an appropriate amount of fanfare and celebration and welcome. But honestly, all of those babies will come and go. They'll live and die much like you and I. And all things put in perspective make very little impact on the world around them. Uh, I'll be lucky if my great-great-grandkids even hear of my name. So can anyone name like your great-great-grandparents? I mean, we are here today. We are gone tomorrow. There have been a lot of babies on this earth. A lot of babies. But get this. Approximately 2,020 years ago, there was one baby. Uh, He was born in a very small, rural, Middle Eastern village. In fact, the town of Bethlehem, uh, archaeologists and scientists uh, speculate it was likely no more than dozens, maybe upwards of a hundred people in this little village in the middle of nowhere. Uh, For this baby to be born, there was no place of hospitality for his unwed teenage mother to give him birth. There was no sanitized hospital staffed with medical professionals and sterile instruments to ensure that he came into this world safely. Instead, this baby was born in a barn. He was uh, born in a barn that was filled with animals and their stench and placed in a feeding trough in lieu of a cradle. This baby would then go on to live what was really a relatively short life. He died a young man. Uh, He was my age when he died. He never traveled more than a couple hundred miles. This baby grew up never to write a book. He never held a political office. He never acquired for himself much wealth. He never took a wife. He never had a family. He didn't have kids and grandkids to carry on his legacy. And yet today, more than 2,000 years later, some 2.2 billion people worship that baby as Savior, Lord, Christ, and God's Messiah come to the earth. Some two, amen, amen. Some, some, some two billion hands will raise this week in worship of this baby. Billions of knees will bow down to worship this baby. Uh, This barn baby who was born in relative obscurity would go on to be one of the most prominent men, in fact, the most prominent man in all of world history, shaping our world more than any person who has ever walked our planet. Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of human history. He is the most influential person to live. He is the one that the entire globe pauses tonight and tomorrow to celebrate 
his birth. In City Light, there was no one like the man, Jesus Christ. There's no one like Jesus. Jesus saved me from my sins when I was 16 years old. And in that time, he's become so real to me. Um, You know, half of my life, literally half of my life, I went to a church. I went to Christmas Eve services just like this one that we're at tonight. And these services were great. I believed in God. It was tradition. It was religion. It was nostalgia. It was what you did. But there was a point in time when Jesus became more than a story to me. He became a savior. He's real. So many of you have met this Jesus, been transformed by this Jesus, centered your entire life in existence, your entire hope for eternity around this man, this baby born in Bethlehem some two millennia ago. His name is Jesus Christ. Every week we gather together to worship that Jesus. It's what we do as a church family. We get together and worship Jesus. But it's on this night that uh, we get the opportunity to just pause, to slow down and worship Jesus as we remember him at his birth. The moment that God stepped down onto this earth, putting on flesh and bone, the moment that the creator of all things stepped down into his creation, the moment that the author entered the story, the time that God came to our planet, what theologians call the incarnation and what you and I call Christmas. That's what we're here to celebrate tonight. Last year, um, we got to do this. I got to preach uh, about every Christmas, and we're always looking at the same story. And, and uh, Chris, maybe you can preach next Christmas. It'd be a little, a little fresh angle for us. But, um, uh, you know, Christmas comes every year. So as a preacher, you look at the same story and say, Lord, what do you have for us? I mean, it's the same story. I mean, how, how do you make it new? How do you make it fresh? How do you awaken our hearts to see the wonder, the miracle that's there um, in spite of hearing it dozens, maybe hundreds of times. And, and so last year we were in the book of Matthew and, and our goal was we wanted to look at the story of Christmas. Okay, we looked at the characters. We looked at Caesar Augustus and Quirinius. We looked at Mary and Joseph. We looked at the angels and the shepherds and Jesus himself. We looked at the drama of the plot, right? You've got the the providential timing of Caesar's census that would take David back to Bethlehem. You've got the unlikely announcement of the angels to these third shift Denny's workers on the side of the highway. Remember the shepherds and what an unlikely place to announce this royal birth. We had the the humble, the humble um, setting of the birth of Jesus Christ into the world. and, And we celebrated the story of Christmas. And this year, I want to take a moment and take a look at the theology of Christmas. In other words, we, we know the what of Christmas. What happened? What is in the story? And this, this year, I want to slow down and say, why? Why did that happen? More specifically, what does the Christmas story teach us about who God is? And my hope is that as we look at sort of the theology of Christmas, it would create in our our minds and in our hearts, a sense of awe and wonder that there would be a, a new richness to the Christmas carols that we sing and uh, a great appreciation for who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And so tonight I want to take a look at Matthew's gospel. I'd invite you to open up in your Bibles with me to Matthew. That's the first book of the New Testament. It uh, should be on the very first page of the New Testament. And uh, we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 together tonight. And specifically, I want to take a moment and really hone in on verse 23. Uh, What is really, I think, one of the most significant, one of the most theological, weighty verses in all of Scripture. And so if you would turn there with me, uh, let me read it for us now. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. It's on the screen if you forgot your Bible. 
Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Here's our key verse for tonight, City Light. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and she called his name Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Some 700 years before this event took place in history, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, telling his people there will come a time when a virgin will give birth to a son and he will save his people from their sins and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Fast forward 700 years. The barn baby next to the animals, right? The Lord appears to, to um, Joseph in a dream. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And right away, Matthew wastes no time letting us know that this baby is that baby. This is the son born of a virgin. This is the one who has come to save his people from their sins. This is the promised one. This is the prophesied one. This is the Savior. This is no ordinary baby. It is God with us, Emmanuel. I want to take the opportunity tonight for the next hour and a half or so uh, to unpack. Why are you laughing? You don't know. You don't know what we got planned in here. We got all night. Um, Just kidding. 20 minutes if you're new. I promise. I promise. 20 minutes. For the next 15, 20 minutes, uh, I want to unpack this truth. And what I really want to do is, is bring to life out of here, I think, three theological truths that we learn from this Christmas text that should shape the way we understand, view, worship, adore, and celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ to our planet this Christmas in 2015. First point is this. It's on the screen. Christmas teaches us that God is like us. Christmas teaches us that God is like us. More specifically... At Christmas, God became like us. This is the profound mystery of Christmas, that Jesus, being God, eternal God with the Father and the Holy Spirit for all of eternity past, Jesus, second member of the Trinity, Jesus, God, comes to the earth, becomes a human without losing any any of his divinity. He takes on to himself humanity. He becomes a man in every way like you and I. At his birth, he was as helpless, as dependent as any other baby. The very word of God, the Bible says, had no words to speak on this night, but only cries for his mother's milk. St. Augustine said he was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by the hands that he formed. At Christmas, God became a human person just like us. So what? I want you to catch how extremely significant and amazing this is. Um, In traditional religion, in every other really major world religion, 
You know the most holy men, the most holy women, the most devout, the most sanctified, the, the, the religious leaders and, and the holy and the, and, and the pious ones because of their separation from the rest of the world. Think about it. The monks and the priests and the religious leaders, they, they live in monasteries, they live in convents, they live in caves, they, they divorce themselves from the rest of the population. They, they don't listen to radio, they don't watch TV so that they don't engage with the evil of the world or be stained by it. They don't much travel and interact with other people so as not to engage in and participate in the evil and the brokenness of the world. You know often a religious leader by their garments and what they wear. They'll wear a robe, They're, they will wear a fancy hat. They will speak with a religious language. They, they separate themselves from the world, not to be stained by the dark, sinful, fallen, and corrupt world. Jesus isn't that way at all. Jesus gets in. Jesus comes near. Jesus comes, and he becomes like us. Jesus comes into the world, into the culture, And he comes to the sinners, to the pain, to the hardship. He comes into the idolatry. He comes for the demon-possessed. He comes to the outcast, to the poor, to the marginalized, to the fornicators, to the addicted, to the alcoholics and the drunks. He comes to those who have disobeyed. He comes to the abusers and the proud. He comes to the arrogant. He comes to the rich. He comes to the poor. He's not a God who, who stands back and says, I need to be a religious leader and, and separate myself from the world. He comes in and says, I'm here to get my hands dirty. I'm here to save my people from their sins. And in the incarnation, he becomes like us. God puts on skin and bones. That's incredible. God comes near. He dresses like us. He lives like us. He eats like us. He experiences life like us. This is a uniquely Christian idea, church. Most religions teach that if there is one God, he is most likely a transcendent God. He is wholly other. If he's going to engage with the world, he might send an angel. He might speak down a command through a prophet, but he's not going to come down and get his hands dirty. But Jesus does. He rolls up his sleeve and he gets his hands dirty. The story of Christmas is that God came near. He became like us and his name is Jesus. Ordinary dude. Swung a hammer. Worked a job, worked with his old man, had family drama, had to wash his feet, had to learn how to walk. He felt hunger, he felt disappointment, he felt excitement. And what this means for us, church, that God is like us, it means that you can't look at Jesus and say, you don't understand. You don't understand what it's like to grow up. You don't understand what it's like to be a teenager and fight with your parents. You don't understand what it's like to work a dead-end job or be underemployed or have doubts about the future. You don't understand what it's like to be homeless or poor. You don't understand what it's like to be mocked or to have family drama or to have your, your parents kind of turn their back on you or, or to be rejected by your friends. You don't understand what it's like to be lied about or beaten or abused because Jesus will turn back and say, oh, I know. I do. I know. I've become like you. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus is able to sympathize with us in every single way. Christmas, we learn that God became like us. What that means is when you're hurting, you can talk to Jesus because he's hurt. Uh, when you're tempted, you can talk to Jesus because he has been tempted. Jesus became like us. We have a God unlike any other concept of God. He gets it. He understands. Your family drama, he gets it. Your struggles, he gets it. 
So let me just ask you the question, in your mind's eye, the way that you view God, do you see Jesus as distant and disconnected from your story? Because he's not. He's not an aloof religious idea. He has become like us. He understands your pain, your fears, your hurts, and your hopes more than you will ever realize. Point number one, at Christmas we learn that God is like us. But point number two is very different. At Christmas, we also learn that God is in many ways unlike us. At Christmas, God did become like us, but he was still very distinct and different from us. While becoming fully human, he never ceased to be fully God. Look with me again at verse 8 in our text. It says, When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she found, excuse me, together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand if your mom was a virgin when she gave birth to you. Raise your hand if the Holy Spirit puts you inside of your mother's womb directly. Right? This is no ordinary baby. Verse 23 says this is God with us. This is God on our planet. Christmas teaches that God, that God became like us, but he was also very much unlike us. And I want you to see that this too is very, very good news. It's very good news. Give you an illustration. My family just bought uh, a house that's new to us, an old house. It's uh, almost a complete gut job. And so uh, we're renovating a house. We just moved in two weeks ago. And, and uh, like a really brilliant dad, I'm renovating the upstairs and the downstairs all at the same time. Because why do one at a time so your family can have a, a place to live? And so, um, no, we don't have a Christmas, this, a Christmas tree this year. Hashtag dad fail. Uh, we live in a house full of sawdust and, uh, and drywall mud and drywall dust. And so that's where we live right now. So I'm working on the house all the time. And so Tuesday night, I'm downstairs in the basement, working in the basement. And there's one room in our house that I haven't really touched. It's like a extra bedroom, a little storage room in the basement. And because I haven't touched it, we keep the door shut and no dust goes in there. So we have all of our stuff stacked in this one room. So there's boxes, floor to ceiling, wall to wall, all the way in there is about 70% of everything we own in this one room. So I'm working in the basement, and I hear my youngest son, Levi, who's two, uh, I hear a faint cry from that room, Daddy, help. Uh, uh-oh. So I go to the door, open it up, Daddy, help, Daddy, help. I can hear him all the way in the far corner of the wall, Levi, who is all boy, no fear. He's the youngest child, and he acts like it. He's shimmied up on top of the boxes, worked his way box to box, about somewhere between four and six feet high as he maneuvered his way to the back of the room, got to the corner of the room and shimmied his way down the boxes. He's now stuck in the far corner of the room with a wall of boxes in front of him and a literal wall behind him, and he's crying out, Dad, help! Help, help. He had cried him, or he had uh, shimmied his way all the way down. Now he's completely stuck, unable to remedy his situation that he has gotten himself into. Now, when Levi is stuck in the corner crying out, help, 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 Levi didn't want someone who was just like himself to come, right? He's not hoping that Paxton is going to show up and give a word of encouragement, right? He, he's wanting someone to come to the rescue. He doesn't want dad to come in and say, Levi, I understand your pain, brother. I've been there. I know the feeling of panic, and I've been through it. I understand what you're going through right now. He didn't want sympathy. He wanted salvation. Are you with me? 
He needed help. He didn't want someone like him who was only able to sympathize with him. He wants someone stronger. He wants someone bigger. He wants someone taller. He wants someone who's able to do what he can't do. He needed salvation. City Light, that's us. That is us. Praise God that he can relate to us. He can sympathize with us in our temptation. He understands the plight of the human experience. But thank God that he is in every way greater than us. Praise God that he is every way distinct from us. He is the one that we need. The, the fundamental problem with the human condition is sin. We are the little Levi's who have backed ourselves into the corner in a pile of our sin, unable to remedy ourselves. We need someone who can come along who is greater than us and save us from our sins. If you got out your Amazon app on your phone right now, and just, just Amazon self-help books, you're going to find hundreds, maybe thousands of volumes of peer-to-peer support. People who will speak in, here's how you can improve your situation. Here's how you can improve your, your behavior. Here's how you can improve your achievements and accomplishments in the workplace. Here's how your marriage can be better. Here's how you can have better self-esteem. But all of it is worldly wisdom speaking in. But the, the fundamental condition of, of the human heart is sin. We don't just need advice. We don't just need someone who can understand. We need someone who can save. That's the story of Jesus. That's the story of Christmas. Jesus came to be like us, but he is in every way distinct from us. Jesus had no sin. Tempted? Yes. Hebrews says, in every way as we are, but yet without sin. Jesus has no need. He is the self-sufficient, eternal God. Who is God that we should serve him? He doesn't need human hands. Um, Jesus has no limits. We get tired. We run out of money. We run out of resources. Jesus is eternal God. He never goes without because he created and creates all that is. Christmas is God coming into the storage room, rescuing us from the corner that we find ourselves in, completely helpless. Jesus is like us, but Jesus is so wholly different than us. He is the one who came to save us. Let me ask you, have you cried out to God for salvation? If you admitted that you have backed yourself into a corner of sin and that you need God to come in and do for you what you could never do for yourself. That's the story of Christmas. It's not the story of Ricky Bobby's sweet little eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus in golden fleece diapers. It's a divine rescue mission. Matthew 1 says that his name would be Jesus because he saves his people from their sins. Has he saved you? Have you trusted him? He would gladly take from you your sins and your guilt and your shame and give to you freely his forgiveness and his eternal life. Christmas, we learn that Jesus is like us, but he is so much unlike us. Last point is this. Point number three. Christmas teaches us that God is with us. Maybe one of the most amazing truths in all of Scripture is verse 23. His name shall be Emmanuel God is with us. What that means is Christmas is the answer to the questions, am I alone, does God care, and why doesn't God do something? Christmas says you aren't, he does, and he has. He's Emmanuel, God with us. It's very different than you and I. You know, our, our natural tendency is not to, to be with other people in a condition of need. 
Our natural human tendency is to run from the messy, run from the awkward, run from the sins, run from the needy black hole of, of need that human beings seem to be. When your phone rings and it's one of your needy friends that always has drama, always has issues, always has boy issues, daddy issues, marriage issues, kid issues, what's your first instinct when that phone rings? Is it, oh good, Janet called me, or is it... Do I have 45 minutes, right? No, we, we want to run from the messy. We especially want to run when people sin against us, when we feel wounded, when we feel hurt, when we feel sinned against. Our natural tendency is to run away in self-preservation so that we don't get hurt. That's not Jesus. Jesus runs in. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He is the one who has run into the mess. When... when um, um, when we were the people who have rejected Jesus, he is the one who runs toward us both to save us and to be with us. God with us. If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, do you know that he is with you? He's not an aloof, distant, religious idea. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Getting to be a, a dad of three kids and a husband, one of the greatest joys of my entire life is just to be with my family. Stayed home today. I might have been typing last minute on a Christmas Eve sermon and uh, was working in the basement on my laptop. And uh, it was so much fun. Snowing outside, my kids climbing on me, one of my kids deleting all my notes when I'm not looking. They deleted all the good stuff. So if this has fallen flat, blame my kids. I had some really funny, uh, theologically insightful stuff, right? It's, it's crazy. They're wrestling each other. They spilled something on the new carpet. But you know what? I love being with my family. I love my wife. I love being in the same room. I love being with my kids. It doesn't matter if they're fighting, we're wrestling, or we're snuggling, tickling, watching. I just love to be with my family because love moves in. Love just loves to be with. That's what love does. It draws near. It wants to be close. And that's God's heart for you. That's the message of Christmas. He came that he might be with you. Listen, for some of you, Christmas might be great. This is the highlight of the year. You get to see your family, your friends, do the parties, all that. For some of you... Christmas is insanely awkward. It's difficult to get through. I don't know what your situation is, but I want to encourage everyone in the room tonight with this simple truth. The message of Christmas is that God wants to be with you. He saved you not only to, to save you from the wrath of God, save you from the consequences of your sin, but he saved you that he might be with you. Did you know God loves you and he likes you and he wants to be with you? I don't always want to be with you. Sometimes I ignore your phone calls, right? I love Chris. I don't even want to be with you. Get around him too much. It's like, brother, I need a break, right? <laughs> but Jesus always wants to be with you. That's the message of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. I need to end by asking, do you know this Jesus? Do you know him personally? The theology of Christmas isn't just intended to be the content of sermons or ideas for the mind. The theology of Christmas is a, is a personal theology. It's a powerful theology. It's an invitation theology. And the invitation is that Emmanuel, God with us, would be your Emmanuel, God with you. He is a God who is like you. He knows your struggles. He knows your temptations. He knows your need. He's been there. He understands you better than you understand yourself.
But he's a God completely unlike you. Where you have fallen into sin, he has been perfect. Where you have needs and weaknesses, he is powerful and he provides. Where you are helpless to save yourself, he has come to save you. And he is a God who wants to be with you. He loves you. He enjoys you. He wants to spend time with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Have you trusted him? This Christmas, for all of us, may he not only be Emmanuel, God with us, may he be our Emmanuel, Jesus with us. Let's pray. Jesus, there is no one like you. Every second, babies are born. They come and they go. Billions of people have walked this earth, and there has been none like you. Jesus, you were the one sent by God to save us from our sins. What an amazing truth that you would come, you would put on flesh and bone, you would walk on the planet that you have created, that you would understand the human experience, that you would enter in to be near us and to know us. And yet, God, we are so thankful that you are wholly other. You are unstained by sin. You are obedient to God the Father in every way. You came to this planet to do what we couldn't do, to walk in perfect righteousness. And you are the God who wants to be with us. Oh God, if there's anyone in this room, even now as I pray, that would love to enter into that relationship, oh Father, would they pray along with me even right now? Father, I am a sinner. I am the one who who has backed myself into a corner of sin, and I am unable to remedy my situation. But tonight I believe that Jesus Christ is more than a nostalgic religious story that we celebrate once a year. It is the good news of a personal Savior who has come for me. Jesus, thank you for coming to save me from my sins. Would you rescue me now? Would you forgive my sins and come into my life? I give you my whole life because I know that you have given me yours on a cross. Thank you, Jesus. And now as we respond and and worship, God, would these carols, would these songs be more than um, songs, but would our minds and our hearts be filled with the richness of this theology that we've just learned? Would we worship you and adore you with full hearts and full minds and, and gladness of heart as we celebrate and sing about what you have done for us at Christmas? We pray in Jesus' good name. Amen.